0: My name in the Clue and I'm here today with Will Sloan and you're listening to the important cinema club and it has been much requested that we <laughs> deal with a filmmaker from the country of Australia so we're finally doing it and talking about Yahoo serious
1: God isn't it great to not be accountable to anyone <laughs> yes. like, there's no there are no investors over our shoulders no bureaucrats no heads of large corporations who are like demanding a business plan from <laughs> us like who are saying what's the audience for the Yahoo serious episode
0: i mean really the only reason we did it was wouldn't it be funny if after vim vendors we did a
1: yahoo serious episode well justin has had yahoo serious in his back pocket for two years now like it keeps it keeps coming up as a potential one and i guess i just kept vetoing it but after vim vendors yeah i i was eager to dive into yahoo serious
0: well the thing about yahoo serious is he is principally known today as a joke in the simpsons you've all seen it The episode where they go to Australia, there's a slideshow that's shown about Australia fever, and there's a boarded up movie theater that says Yahoo Serious Film Festival. (laughs) And doesn't Lisa have a joke where she's like, I know those words, but that sign makes no sense. Now, let's deconstruct this joke. Does she know Yahoo Serious? Is she surprised that there's a film festival of his films? Because when this episode came out, there was only two of them. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. God. <laughs>
1: and and now, and now there are three. That's right. Well, this is actually what really sold me on this topic, because if you know Yahoo Sirius, you probably know him for his debut film, Young Einstein.
0: Or if you're like me and Will, you know it only from the VHS cover of Young Einstein that
1: you'd always catch in the video store and be like, what's that? That with looks it, wacky. With his hair. And when I was a kid, when I was under the age of 10, I saw his second film, Reckless Kelly on VHS. And then there was a third called Mr. Accident that went direct to video in 2000 or 2001. And those are all three films that he made.
0: This is what's fascinating about Yahoo! Sirius, beyond just being like, oh, isn't he like an Australian novelty? Yes, but he is one of the rare comedians who starred, acted, produced, directed their films and did nothing else. Like there was no Yahoo serious fever in the sense like he wasn't guesting on Saturday Night Live or
1: appearing in bit roles and other comedies.
0: Nope. He just did it his own way and did nothing
1: else. And he's also interesting. I also wanted to delve into him a little bit because Crocodile Dundee was obviously a global phenomenon in 1986. It was massive all over the world and it created this... Australia fever in the United States which which is interesting
0: Now and- I went back trying to figure out like what is the seed of this some people pointed out like The Thornbirds, was really big as a novel then it was adapted Mm -hmm. into a TV miniseries and that takes place in Australia there was a lot of Australian bands
1: as well but there wasn't that one thing other than Mr. Paul Hogan himself well I think Crocodile Dundee as a movie there was something about it that really struck a chord in the United States where like so much of it was you know he comes from the outback he's you know a little bit primitive but actually he's more real Mm -hmm. you know he's, he's real and he's not he's unaffected
0: and he wants to sell you some cigarettes (laughs) That's... Just in case you didn't know, Mr. Paul Hogan's character of
1: the Crocodile Dundee, is that his name? Cro- well, his, his name is Mick Dundee. But, That's right. But he wrestled a crocodile,
0: you'll recall. <laughs> so they call him Crocodile Dundee. Started just like Ernest, uh, shilling for things. In right. Hogan's case, cigarettes.
1: But in that first, cro- well, in all the Crocodile Dundee movies, it's always- We're he, all laughing. He's always going around and it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're selling Frappuccinos and uh, we're all yuppies and it's the Reagan revolution. So he was the OG Tim Allen the manly man exactly that's exactly what he was and there are so many scenes where it's like he'll see a drag queen or something Mm -hmm. and be like oh that that bloke looks like a sheila or you know whatever he was kind of a reactionary character Mm -hmm. right he was kind of like well he may be primitive but he's commonsensical and he's um, (laughs) common
0: sense by paul hogan
1: (laughs) yeah yeah basically And I think that was probably like key to Australia fever. It was almost like, ah, can't we, can't we go back to the Outback? Can't we get back to some of those down home values? Now
0: come on down at the Outback Steakhouse, a restaurant chain that was created by not Australians.
1: It was, you know, Australia fever was massive I guess for a, for a couple of weeks, you know. Shrimp on, <laughs> sh- put another shrimp on the barbie. Did you go eat my baby? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there was that Cheech Marin movie Shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> I don't think
0: that's what caused Australia which,
1: fever. Which was another piece of Crocodile Dundee exploitation. Mm-hmm. And then in 1988, Young Einstein comes out. Now, Yahoo's Serious, I mean, he's fascinating because he's sort of like Gabo. Mm. And he's also kind of like (laughs) Poochie.
0: Yes. You know, and also Harold Lloyd, Charlie Chaplin, all the greats.
1: Well, yes. And we can talk about that in a moment, too. But you did a little bit more research into him than I did. Mm -hmm. I I read the Wikipedia page and I'm baffled by it because it says in his early 20s, he did some, you know, he he studied filmmaking. He made a documentary about coal miners or Mm -hmm. something like that, which. I have seen no evidence that it exists.
0: So this is the thing about Yahoo!
1: Sirius is there is
0: almost no information about him online. Like, for someone that was popular was popular enough in Australia that he appeared at the Australian Olympic Games.
1: As a special guest.
0: Yes. There is nothing on there. Basically, all the info you'll find about him and images related to him are on his own website that looks like it was created on GeoCities in the early
1: 2000s. So, in his early 20s, he, you know, made some documentary. Yeah, Coal Town. Okay, and then... Cut to he's 35. Mm-hmm. He's 35. He makes Young Einstein, stars in it, writes it, directs it, gets a massive global push from Warner Brothers. He's the next big thing.
0: Now, Young Einstein took like three to five years to finish. It took a long time to get done. Okay, so how did he do it? Well, according to v- few sources that I have, he just literally pushed through. When something takes that long and you're concentrating on it that long eventually you'll reach a certain point and he must have struck that Warner Brothers deal when Australian fever was at its height and they were looking around and going, what do we have? That's Australian. And this movie that's been floating around for three to four years that hasn't been quite done yet. They're like, all right, let's do this. Let's push it hard. Almost double the budget of the actual film in North America and get it out there.
1: Let's also pack the film with Australian songs that one brother owns, of course. So it came out in 1988, the year of Crocodile Dundee 2. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was sold as this is the next Paul Hogan. Yeah. Uh, And the plot of the movie is, what if—you've all heard of Albert Einstein— Mm-hmm. Well, what if Albert Einstein was actually born in Tasmania and he created the theory of relativity when he was trying to figure out how to add bubbles to beer? So, and,
0: like, it's a magic realism kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, it's like picnic
1: at Hanging Rock.
0: And how would you describe Yahoo Serious's uh, presence or even
1: comedic stylings? Well, this is where the Pucci comparison comes yes. in. Like Paul Hogan, he's kind of a lived-in kind of character. He's uh, has a little recognizable. Bit of, he has a leathery texture to him. He doesn't. He doesn't work too hard you know he's kind of laid back Mm -hmm. i would say this guy works hard you think he works hard he's got a kind of like dry
0: like almost non-reactive and yahoo serious but he's so wacky he looks wacky that's why he looks crazy on the poster with his hair all he's playing the electric guitar
1: also albert einstein in this universe invented rock and roll oh okay that that is important he has two big inventions one of them is the theory of relativity the other is rock and roll
0: mm-hmm. and like all of yahoo serious's films which we should point out again he wrote directed produced i think he's co-editor on it he even said like music this is a jerry lewis if there ever was one. a total filmmaker yes it is a very uh laissez-faire movie like it's not moving at a fast clip oh it's slack is yes. what you mean yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, I uh, said many times talking about it, it's very uh, Jacques Tati esque
1: I don't know, man. Especially early on,
0: <laughs> the way that he frames stuff, where there's always like little gags in the corners, where there's like a kangaroo or a Tasmanian
1: devil in one of the scenes. I had a hard time kind of getting a handle on this movie, Young Einstein, mm-hmm. just tonally... Now, this film was popular in its native Australia. So it's not only tied to Australian fever. And it was moderately successful in the United mm. States. I think it made like 25 million or something like that. Did I laugh watching this movie? I don't think I did. I don't think I laughed a single time, but but I'm not completely dismissing it. Mm-hmm. It's it's strange. It is. It's definitely on
0: individualistic. This is not the kind of film that like an SNL actor would have been cast in no.
1: because it wouldn't have felt like this one does. I'll just give people a little bit more understanding of what young Einstein is. So it starts, he's in, you know, the wilderness of Tasmania. He He's created this formula. He says, mom, dad, I'm going to the big city. And he goes to the big city Wait, on the train. He meets Mary Curie. Mm-hmm. OK, he meets Mary Curie. She's his love interest. Various other historical figures drift in and out. Sigmund Freud is in it, for example. You Darwin. Know. We all yeah. love Darwin. It, it climaxes at the Science Academy Awards where all of these characters are. So in this movie's alternate reality all of these people are hovering around australia there's a big montage scene where he's on his way to the big city and he's like hanging out with kangaroos and he's you know hanging out with bushmen. like there's stuff in here where you can tell they were like okay we gotta aussie this up for for maximum global exposure now we gotta put kangaroos in here i
0: did read that the way the film was made is that like he shot it independently he didn't finish it He got funding from a company who gave him $2 million based on a trailer reel. He gave them a finished film. They said, this is not what we paid for. And then they got more money from Warner Brothers to reshoot another hour. And that's what I feel is like kangaroos, Tasmanian devils. Give us all the stuff that's Australian. That's what we want to sell it
1: on. So the movie is slack. It's kind of slow paced at times, but it is very wacky. The Mm -hmm. gags are very Jerry Lewis. Yes, they are. In that they're like jarringly cartoonish.
0: And again, they're slow. It feels like especially during the period that it came out, this should
1: have a naked gun like rhythm to it. But and it, it does yeah, not. Instead, a very cartoonish gag will happen and the movie will just pause and linger on it mm-hmm. the way that Jerry Lewis does
0: often, you know? And I read some people say that like it was popular in Australia because it was representative of something that they did not have at that point. And Australia had a very
1: strong genre film industry.
0: They made a bunch of comedies. Who could forget all those stork sex comedies that were coming out in the 70s?
1: Oh, sure. The, the return of Captain Invincible. <laughs>
0: yes, that's right. But this was, at the time, I guess the late 80s, an earnest figure that Australia could call their own. Okay. <laughs> that did all the obvious jokes. Like, if you wanted to make a textbook of jokes you cannot make anymore, they're all in Young Einstein. Do we get a drop-the-soap joke in prison? Yes. Do we get an out-of-nowhere mocking the Chinese joke? Well, the the blackface
1: gag that is sort Two of... Two blackface gags. I mean, the second one, though. Yes. Wow. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. And w- y- you'll try to talk yourself out of it when you watch it. You're like, oh, he's just black because you know something exploded and then the next shot you're like nope he knows exactly what he's doing
1: yeah so the movie's wacky it's strange it's not funny mm. but there's always there's often something very bizarre to look at and i don't know i i thought the whole premise just in general was Lame. was bad <laughs> yeah so i don't know why i can't just fully completely dismiss this movie
0: i mean because I it's bad you can't dismiss it because it's weird and it's from an auteur like undeniably yeah
1: i guess so it, like it doesn't work right, but it it works wrong in a way that I'm not used to seeing.
0: <laughs> it's a uh, cracking up, if you will.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of like that. Yeah.
0: It's this is a film you would expect from a late period comedian who has been doing this for a while. It is
1: actually it, it, it's like a Jerry Lewis movie, but it's like a late Jerry Lewis yes, movie. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, where it's like, oh, you guys know me, so I don't need to, you know, work that hard for it, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Can we just say before going ahead? Like he does a lot of singing in this movie. He does a lot of rocking out and it's clear you're supposed to find this guy kind of cute.
0: Well, especially in the last five minutes where it feels like you realize, all right, I'm a cool guy and I want people to think I'm cool. So I will communicate that by having people keep telling me I'm cool.
1: Actually. So I compared him to Poochie, but actually I think as a comedy star, he's a little bit more like the Homer, which is the car that Homer makes Mm -hmm. where like, It's sort of designed in such a way that like it's got so many cool elements, but smashed together, it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. So you've got this guy who he's really wacky. He's a physical comedian. He does big, broad, physical shtick. He's got crazy carrot top hair, but he's also cute. Mm -hmm. You know, you're also supposed to find him attractive. He's supposed to be cool. And he rocks out on a guitar like I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't make sense. It doesn't all fit fit together. It's too many disparate elements. Well, I think that cool thing is important because that's what he latches on to for his next film. And also, his next film, Reckless Kelly, came out in 1993. That's a five-year gap.
0: Now, I've seen like very quick interviews with him where he talks about that after the success of Young Einstein, he was just not ready for what that success brought. And you get the sense he kind of froze after that. Mm. But anybody else would probably use this opportunity to do as many things as possible. But he... I mean, I can't find any information about this, like what he decided to do after that. Well,
1: what I'd really like to know is like after five years off, did he just like stroll into Warner Brothers and they were like, oh, Yahoo, yes, please, right this way. Let's make another movie.
0: Or was Records Kelly also like independently funded and distributed by Warner Brothers?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing that after the kind of modest success of Young Einstein, he could just take five years off and then roll back in with another Yahoo serious movie. I don't think
0: that Young Einstein had enough success to be like, all right, do whatever you want in North America. Like Roger Ebert gave it one star. Like people were not very well, impressed by it. he
1: made $25 million. Yeah. Yes. Which let's say that's like 60 million in today's money.
0: Yeah, on a $5 million not budget. Bad. Oh, but also 10 million in advertising because they really pushed this one hard.
1: Yeah. That wacky hair is not going to sell itself. Anyway, Reckless Kelly. I mean, this is a more normal movie than Young Einstein is, although it does still, it's still have. It's pretty wacky. It's pretty wacky. Yeah. But it has more of a conventional story. Mm-hmm. There's goals in this movie as opposed to Young Einstein, which is much more um, uh, you off know, the wall.
0: Yeah. In this movie. I want to say much older it's only five years but like he's in his 40s
1: by this point well so in this movie he plays Ned Kelly a descendant I think the grandson of the actual Ned Kelly who was mm. a historic Australian Robin Hood type figure bank robber you know a folk hero and in this one he's carrying on his grandfather's legacy he's still Robin banks he sort of he sort of just accepted as a as a ruffian
0: you know what I'm gonna say this one did make me laugh there were some jokes where I chuckled
1: watching this Oh, man, I don't know. I, I really didn't care for this one at all. <laughs>
0: oh, uh, at the beginning, where he robs the ATM machine, that was funny. He shoots yeah. flies out of the air,
1: shoots guns out of everybody's hands. I like all that shtick. Okay, I really did not care for this movie. So uh, there's the evil banker, played by Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. and he's going to foreclose on Reckless Island, which is the beautiful, unspoiled Australian island, you know, just, just off the coast, basically, attached it's attached to the mainland, but it protrudes. So basically, it's like the evil developer's plot. Mm. You know, Yahoo Sirius, as Ned Kelly, has to raise, you know, a million dollars to to stop Hugo Weaving from foreclosing. So he decides to travel to America, you know, as if... Well, so
0: the reason he travels to America is that as part of the Ned Kelly gang, every dollar that they steal has to be donated to the poor. And to get a million dollars, I guess they decide that, well, if we rob somewhere else it doesn't count so
1: we can then take that money for ourselves well what clearly happened was some executive at warner brothers said hey can we get you to come to america <laughs> yes and then he said okay that sounds good so he gets to america <laughs> please
0: i'm starving it's been five years
1: he gets to america and he immediately gets a job i mean he's so cool he's doing cool stuff with his gun he now this everyone. is uh you know the mature yeah, who's serious. His hair is not all up in the air. It's slick back. It's wavy. <laughs> yeah. There's st- it's as much hair as before, but just combed in a different way. Mm-hmm. And he gets hired by this B-movie studio. John Panette is in this movie playing a sort of like Roger Corman, Charles Band-like B-movie producer. Mm. Really a Jim Wynorski type. <laughs> yes.
0: And I and, mean, Jim Wynorski would probably
1: watch you and go, boy, I wish I ever had that budget <laughs> or crew. So he hires him to star in this movie that he's making called The Christian Cowboy. Okay. So
0: once he gets to Hollywood, this movie just Flat completely lines. dies for me like yeah. there's nothing here
1: well it just makes no sense so he hires this guy to star in his b is being like the Which christian is set in las vegas for some what and he plays a christian cowboy well i don't know what this is satirizing i don't know what the parody is supposed to be but what's even more confusing is apparently midway through filming, like Yahoo Serious is already a famous movie star. Oh, people can't wait to get his autograph. Like... People are getting his autograph. Like the press is hounding him. And we've it's just been established that he's actually making a direct-to-video B movie.
0: And Yahoo Serious also cast someone that he met at one of the banks he was robbing, who's his co-star, even oh, though she's not an actor.
1: Oh my God, it's just... Makes It's dreamlike, the logic of this <laughs> yeah. film. Lynchian, if you will. But not dreamlike enough. No. Because there are still too many of those just shit Hollywood comedy beats.
0: It's also, like Young Einstein, pretty slow-paced. Yes. Like, the
1: gags aren't really coming fast, because they're so good that you need to build up to them, Will. But why else did I find this movie repellent? Frankly, it was Yahoo himself. <gasps> no! I think... Yahoo Sirius is in his bodybuilder Joe Piscopo era <laughs> dead heat period. in this movie. He like he is supposed to be so cool. He's supposed to be so handsome. You're supposed to think this guy is the coolest guy ever, and he's Yahoo Sirius.
0: He needed like four more young Einstein type characters before he could move to this. Yeah, he's not wacky enough. No, he is not. Well, he's not even that wacky in Young Einstein. Yeah. Like, he looks wacky, but he doesn't act wacky like Young Einstein is a pre-Jim Carrey
1: film right yeah
0: so like that's the character he needs to be but that's not who he's playing
1: reckless kelly he's in he actually a better comparison he is he's in his beverly hills cop 2 era beverly hill cop 3 yeah where eddie murphy said axel foley don't joke no more <laughs> i mean <laughs> oh boy you're supposed to find kelly a heartthrob mm-hmm. and i'm sorry
0: There's jokes oh but so many shots as well of him just riding his motorcycle like a cool
1: guy oh my Real god vanilla
0: ice vibes
1: yes yes <laughs> so i did find this movie repellent and i didn't find it funny and to me it was just a total whiff i'm sorry i'm sorry yahoo if you're listening
0: so after this yahoo he battens down the hatches <laughs> he needs to make that crystal diamond
1: okay Like the Kubrickian pace at which he made movies is hilarious to me because that's 1993. He doesn't make another movie till 2000. Mm -hmm. Now his final film to date for most people, Reckless
0: Kelly would be the last film. I feel like it probably didn't make that much money in the North American box. Even though I do remember that
1: box art as well. Well, I remember the box art for this next one. Oh, yeah. Which went direct-to-video in the United States and Canada. It was supposed to be released theatrically. It was. Then they watched it. Um, and it's Mr. Accident, mm. his third and final film. I wouldn't say I like it better than Young Einstein, but I did laugh more. Uh, well, me and we'll watch it together, and there were some moments we were in tears.
0: Not necessarily by what was happening, but by whatever uh, MST
1: 3K-like quip we said right after. I would say that this movie's got a thousand jokes in it, and mm. maybe five or six of them land.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if he took our notes of this podcast we're giving, doing Doing right now and said all right i'm gonna give you the wackiest yahoo
1: serious." oh my god <laughs> so this is a post jim carrey movie yeah obviously watching this movie made me consider that it's hard to overstate jim carrey's influence on american film well global film comedy mm-hmm. at this time because like he in the 90s he was the ace ventura bat detective set the tone for like the wacky guy comedy which is a guy who's wacky comes into a room and is wacky in the room and then he leaves. Yes. Just a variety. You know, there are so many movies like that, like Corky Romano or mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think Freddy of got non-Corky
0: or, Romano movies. That's all that, that takes up my uh, mind. Ro-
1: Rocket Man with Harlan Williams. <laughs>
0: oh, boy. oh, wait. Did I tell you that I saw Harlan Williams on the subway? Holy shit. Oh, I, uh, I may have taken a little photo of D- it. Did you
1: tell him what a fan you are <laughs> no
0: because he was like you and he like <laughs> jumps at me and i wasn't sure like you're never sure if it's a celebrity especially one like harlan williams but like i showed it to people they're like that's definitely harlan williams and he's a toronto guy so he'd probably be around here as well wow. and he was writing notes i assume jokes rocket man too <laughs> yeah coming to crackle soon
1: so anyway that's my brush was fame in the last uh, year god i'm so jealous well anyway mr accident how can I describe the plot of this film? How can anyone describe the plot of this film?
0: Well, listen, Yahoo's Serious, he's a little bit clumsy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, he's Mr. Accident. Yes. So if the movie starts, just let Yahoo loose in his apartment. He's um, lighting stuff on
1: fire. He's turning his vacuum into a flamethrower. The toaster electrocutes him just as any accident that can happen to a man in his home. A
0: living hell. Yeah. Like, watching it. Like, you would not want to be trapped in the situation.
1: Now, he works at an egg factory. Mm-hmm. I mean, an egg factory, folks. Can you imagine some <laughs> of the shenanigans that an accident-prone man... And he's a
0: repairman, uh. but he's Mr. Accident. <laughs> like the other two Yahoo series films. Very free-flowing. And I got the sense watching this, I feel the rough cut of this was two and a half hours long. Oh yes. Because like
1: scenes end so abruptly. It feels like a movie that definitely had a lot of post-production sweetening, like a ton of like, okay, get this scene, cut frames here, cut frames here, make it faster, make it faster, Mm -hmm. make it faster. Put in a reaction shot from the dog. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that.
0: And I will say though, I have to applaud. Uh, he, does go for it in a lot of scenes,
1: as unstructured and sketchy as it is. Well, the scene where... Like he gets spun around. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right at the beginning.
0: There's a pretty ambitious sequence where he's running down the stairs and a bunch of garbage is following
1: him. Like oh an yeah, avalanche. like Buster Keaton. Yeah, yes. yeah. That that scene was kind of funny. Yeah, that's it, like, it was a good idea for a scene. Yeah, here.
0: it's like like the timing is a little off. Maybe the performance is not there, but at least the idea is there, right? <laughs> yeah. but like there's a lot of very silly stuff in this movie beyond the other two films, like soup. Like they're driving in a car and they're all frozen and they can't
1: see and then they crash the car and it lands in slow motion but they survive the airbags go off or there's a scene where his car is all wrecked and the gas is leaking and he throws a cigarette out the window and as he's driving along the street like this fiery gas keeps following him and following him and following him it's big ambitious visual gags like that
0: yeah so when it's that and the gag can like move a little bit i i If I did not laugh, I appreciated it. But then you have a gag of, like, him on a construction site, and he just gets, like, his head gets magnetized, so it goes up in the air. That's not really a gag gag in the sense that, like, where's the la- where is the kind of twist in that it's to a get setup. the laugh?
1: Yeah. It's just a setup. But there's no punchlines. I mean, the one scene of this movie <laughs> oh, man. That, really, so good. that really made me laugh was the climactic scene when he's in his apartment, and he's fighting with that guy with the axe. Mm-hmm. And... It- just, he, the, the guy falls out and he falls down like, like 10 stories and just lands in a fucking pile of blood. Sorry. I'm making no sense. No, he
0: doesn't land in a pile of blood. His body hits the ground and compresses like an accordion. This is a nightmare fuel for children who would watch it. This is not a film for children either. Yeah, who's serious? His main character point in this, or character evolution, is he gets addicted
1: to cigarettes, so he's smoking all the time in the movie. Oh, yeah. The plot involves an evil <laughs> An evil man takes over the egg factory and puts nicotine in the eggs so that it becomes addictive. Yes. This does not come up into the last five minutes of the movie, so. Oh, yeah, we go a long time without any plot. It's mostly just hanging out with Mr. Accident and his very Various, uh, uh
0: what about that great scene in the Egyptian themed restaurant where it starts on a pot that says
1: like uh you know thousand-year-old vase. <laughs> yes. I hope nothing happens to this vase. I'm sorry, do not let Mr. Accident in a room <laughs> with a thousand-year-old vase. So they're si- yeah, he, Mr. Accident and his date are sitting at a table just spilling stuff. Yeah. Just just <laughs> lighting like, on fire. I'm sorry, do not give them Mr. Gla- Accident eats a cork? Oh, yeah, that's funny. And then you're thinking, okay, well, when does the vase get broken? Well, apparently the vase is just sitting there on display without any glass around it in the middle of a restaurant. Yes. And I think that's on the restaurant.
0: <laughs> yes, I agree. It's not Mr. Accident's fault at
1: all. But let's talk about Yahoo Serious in this movie. Not funny.
0: Yeah. I. What is funny, he's a little... A he's little, a little clumsy. No, he's a little too old for this role. Yeah. Well, he's 47. Yeah. And he says stuff like, I've never been in love before. And it's like, you're 47 years old, man. Like, And he looks
1: more like Carrot Top than he ever has before.
0: No. Anytime he runs, he, he looks exactly like Carrot he, Top. You can some tell
1: reason. that like, Reckless Kelly is a while ago at this point. Because in Reckless Kelly, he's still... You know, the glow of young Einstein is still on him a bit. He's like, okay, I'm cool. I'm hot. And in this one, he's kind of getting back to, "Eh? I've I've got wacky hair. i got wacky hair.
0: Not wacky enough. It's not up in the air. He can't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, this is a movie that it it seems to be wanting to deliver something that he never did. But like people thought that he had. Like when you see Young young Einstein as a kid, you probably loved it. Because you had no frame of reference for anything else. You're like, I like this just as much as I like Looney Tunes.
1: It's on the same level. I have no critical faculties. I'm, I'm concerned that one or two people will listen to this and say, oh, but I love Young Einstein. I watched it when I was a kid. Yeah, but you can
0: love Young Einstein. That's fine. You think we'll get as much like anger as the Mrs. Doubtfire
1: <laughs> reactions? When we, when we did an episode on Robin Williams, a, a lot of people didn't like that. No. Yeah. That we said that Mrs. Doubtfire, not a very good movie. I mean, I'm, I'm lighting the
0: fire again,
1: Will. Sorry, folks, just watch it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's it. Miss, Mr. Accident sounded the death knell for his career, and and I just want to emphasize again, he was in no other movies. Nothing. No he supporting He did have roles. an
0: MTV show, but there's only one two and a half minute clip I could find, and no reference to it. It's not even on his IMDb. Like it doesn't say like self MTV mm-hmm. show. So I don't know how long it lasted. Was it just one segment? Like yeah, who's serious? It's been memory hole from the internet. Could he have done that himself? Could he have like scraped all the information about him from the net?
1: I mean, I wonder, I wonder, because I assume that like when he came onto the international scene, there were surely articles about him everywhere. It mm-hmm. was surely a big push.
0: He was on the cover of Times Australia. <laughs> like he's right there. Yahoo, serious.
1: I mean, he's a man of mystery. I mean, you showed me a QA and a he did not too long ago. That was his first public appearance in mm-hmm. like 10 years. Now, supposedly he went through like a rough divorce. I don't
0: have any of this personal information if you search Yahoo Serious, the newest article that will come up is a very sad one, which is that he got evicted from his home because he couldn't pay rent. Wow! And lawyers argued for him that it was because... He was uh, hurt by the COVID pandemic. And so they weren't working on movies.
1: They were just finally about to make another Yahoo serious movie.
0: Young Einstein returns and the COVID pandemic hit. It, it just didn't happen.
1: So I read an old Dave Care review of Young Einstein. <laughs> wow. He gave it three stars. Okay. And he was making the case. He kind of liked it. He said its ambition exceeds its grasp, but he liked it on the grounds of, you know, in the 80s, most comedy was verbal. It Mm. was, you know, Albert Brooks, Woody Allen, I don't know who else was popular Mm. at that time. The SNL people like Chevy Chase. You didn't have like big broad slapstick. You didn't have huge physical comedy. That kind of went out after, after Jerry Lewis. There was a lineage of physical comedians like Chaplin, Keaton, Jerry Lewis, and Then, as as Kerr noted, you know, the only people in the world who were really doing it was Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave Kerr was cognizant of Jackie Chan before many people were. And so he sort of appreciated Young Einstein for trying to bring that back. And I suppose, you know, just to to give Yahoo! Sirius something to end on, I I do think, I do admire the ambition of some of these movies. I admire that he was really going for a sort of surrealistic, off-the-wall, you know, truly wacky physical comedy thing. But does it work? No. No.
0: So as per usual, you can send us letters at importantcinemaclubpodcast at gmail.com. So our first letter is from John Taflin. He goes, thanks for the great show. And is Quebec cinema really more than Xavier Dolan?
1: Xavier Dolan, the Yahoo series of Quebec. I mean, I think Quebec cinema is a lot more than Xavier Dolan. <laughs> <Yes. Delin. laughs>
0: but the letter continues. Hey, fellas, thanks for the fantastic podcast. I have you two to thank for recommending the Eight Diagram Pole Fighter and Duel to the Death. I love them both. Nice. Justin touched briefly on an old, old, old episode about Quebec's film industry being entirely... It's entirely its own thing, essentially separate from the rest of Canadian film industry. While that definitely makes sense, given Quebec's general opinion of itself as a separate nation entirely inside of the great white Norse. No judgment here. I was curious what Quebecois cinema is like. Certainly has to be more than Xavier Dolan and Bon Cop, Bad Cop. Did we do an episode on Quebec cinema? I feel like yeah, we, we did. did. Yeah. We did.
1: We talked about um, Bingo and Les Boys mm-hmm. and another movie. My wife and I are performing artists who are seriously considering
0: a move from the States with our young child to Montreal, and we love getting to know places through the art they make, and which we might be able to participate in making someday too. I mean, Quebec cinema is probably like the main, like when you're talking about like artistic impact in Canada, Quebec has almost all the films that they made because they had an industry that supported itself and had... Most importantly, which you don't really get in Canada that much, filmmakers who can continue to make films.
1: I'm interested in, I I just got that Blu ray set that a Vinegar Syndrome partner label called Mm -hmm. uh, Canadian International Pictures put out, the other French new wave that has several like classic. Quebecois movies from the 60s in it. I'm interested in watching some of those.
0: Well, that one has a film by Gilles Carle on it, who I've always wanted to do for this podcast, but I need to get Will in the right mood because <laughs> I know Will does not know that filmmaker at all. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to go in like completely, you know, all right, what movies do I watch? What what are the good ones? Um, I believe I could get in that mood. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested. He made some really like provocative movies as well as like very terry gilliam-esque ones Mm. his films always appear on the canadian top 100 but you don't usually hear him in conversation very much but yeah quebec cinema amazing moving to montreal very nice place never lived there seems nice though so Mm -hmm. i mean it's better than the united states right will i like visiting montreal yeah i like visiting montreal as well we need to get into quebec filmmakers again it's something that i don't think we've done one since I don't think so. No. Yeah. Again, it's because that while they may be popular in Quebec, they don't really have that much, you know, play, even in English speaking Canada. Mm -hmm. Go to the library, though. Usually they have all those movies on DVD. (laughs) So thank you very much for that letter. And our next letter is from Lula Asplund. She goes, hey there. Thanks for the wonderful podcast. Me and my boyfriend Kyle are huge fans. It would make his year if you gave him a birthday shout out. All right, we're
1: doing it once, do just you, for you, you. You hear that, folks? We will never do this again. Okay, well, that's not 100
0: If you get on your hands and knees, and you're like, please, please, here's a $1,000. We do it for $1,000. We'll $1, do it for $1,000, yeah. yeah. He is a longtime Patreon supporter. Uh, he may have okay. already given us $1,000. Okay, okay. And December 9th is his big birthday. Some of his faves are the films of Tartakovsky, the Three Colors Trilogy, David Cronenberg, Shrek, and he is always trying to watch Matt Farley as per your recommendation. Trying to watch. Are you watching them, Kyle? You better be watching them and loving them. How come you didn't talk about Shrek Retold in the Shrek episode? Have you checked it out? What do you think? Here is a link. I think we talked about in the Shrek the like feature films only. We
1: watched uh, Scared Mm Shrekless. That's right.
0: (laughs) We watched Gamer Shrek
1: list. But, but listen, four Shrek feature films in one, in one day. That, that, was, that was a lot, yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much, Kyle, for listening to the podcast. Yeah, happy birthday, Kyle. You're 30 now, your life's behind you, so just do what your passions are because you have nothing else that you
1: need to live up to. You have nothing to lose. That's
0: right. So thank you very much for your letters, everybody. You
1: can send us at Important Cinema Club Podcast at gmail.com. This week on our Patreon, Will, what are we talking about? We are belatedly talking about the Sight and Sound Top 100 list. I mean, Will had a very strong effect on it because he wrote his own list in there.
0: But we riff for thirty minutes. Uh, the Rock may make an appearance at some point.
1: Uh, Canons, canonizing, uh, disrupting of mm-hmm. the canon. Uh, we get into it all.
0: So you can check that out at Patreon.com/slash Important Cinema Club. Next
1: week, what are we doing, Will? Well, listen, folks. we need clicks. Yeah, you've been you've been very patient with us as we talk about Yahoo Serious. We're going to go for another popular topic next time. It's that time in the rotation, mm-hmm. you know? At a certain point, the old war wound starts acting up. You know, the, the wind comes from the Northeast. And I keep refreshing the Gmail being like, we haven't had Patreon subscribers in so long. What's going on? And we And we have to think, okay, we need to do a popular topic. So we're going to be talking about Pixar. Oh, Pixar, you may be saying. You know what that means. The bad, bad Pixar. The bad Pixar, folks. So we're going to be talking about The Good Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, Finding Dory. I haven't even seen that I haven't movie. seen it. Um, I haven't seen The Good Dinosaur either. Brave. That's a very uh, uh, controversial one. Fuck, I don't want to watch that one again. Uh, how about uh, Cars 3? Cars 3. Was there a 3? Yes, there was. Okay. He's a spy in this one. I think. There was Cars 2, Mm -mm. which I did see. Yep. There is a Cars 3. I've never seen Cars 2. Cars 2 is heavy on Larry the Cable
0: Guy. I vividly remember being at the New York Comic Book Con and sitting in on a panel with the directors of Up, who showed us the first 30 minutes. And I remember leaving that convention and going, boy, Pixar have never missed.
1: And it looks like they They did.
0: Well, I mean, they sold themselves to Disney, John Lasseter uh real sir hugs a lot and a lot of stuff happened so we're gonna be talking about pixar listen you're gonna click on it you love pixar you want to, see what you, what you about need to
1: hear me say pixar you know what they are i mean do you like any pixar movies just give a taste to people oh sure i like i like a lot of the Pixar movies, but I mean, do, I don't go see them anymore. Really? No, no, no,
0: I don't. You didn't see Turning Red? That was good. Set in Toronto, too. I, I have too. not seen Turning Red. Oh, Turning Red. It was on Disney+. Plus. It was too easy to see.
1: I mean, I, I thing is, I can watch any movie I want.
0: <laughs> I mean, we could also watch the newest bad Pixar
1: movie that was canonically made bad, Lightyear. Oh, I have seen Lightyear. You
0: actually. have seen Lightyear?
1: We, we, Why? We talked about it on uh, Michael and Us because of the sort of like uh, homophobic <laughs> panic surrounding it.
0: Oh, culture yeah, war stuff right. yeah okay. that, was, that was one of those michael and us for them episodes <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Listen,
1: <laughs> just as this yeah, just exactly. as this is a for them episode too. yeah the yahoo serious one yeah <laughs> we
0: love that people love <laughs> yahoo serious yeah so uh, that's what we'll be doing next week until then my name is i'm will slum thanks for listening it was recently brought to my attention that a listener to the important cinema club Felix Dembinski just did a fan edit of a film are you a big fan of fan edits? have you watched fan edits in the past
1: I don't know if I Mm. have I mean I like the spirit of them Mm. I'm for them
0: like there's a community online that usually what they do is they edit blockbusters like really popular films and like make them better to the editor's tastes Mm -hmm. and that can mean a lot of different things like it could be like silent hill has a fan edit where they remove all of the present day sean bean scenes because those were actually imposed on the director by the studio
1: right i mean i know that there are some like i've seen i haven't watched them but i've seen like people have done a fan edit of like batman forever to make it look like more like the tim burton ones oh really right. so they like color corrected it color, Maybe changed color the music corrected, too? cut out a couple of scenes added a couple other deleted scenes mm-hmm. you know there's like a dune fan edit as well like a lot of the time fan
0: edits are incorporating deleted scenes mm-hmm. that can be in like a bunch of different versions mm-hmm. uh, but anyway felix Nabinsky did something even cooler than that which is he took the incomplete version of the andy milligan film House of Seven Bells. Andy Milligan, we did an episode on him. He was like a trash auteur uh, from way back when. I, I do
1: want to explain if people don't know <laughs> okay, go who ahead. Andy Milligan was. He was a guy who lived in New York, worked in off, 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 off Broadway theater. He was a very disgruntled and angry man, a gay man, mm. which I point out because that heavily informs the aesthetics of his work. Did not like his mother. Really did not like his mother. And so all of his films have... Evil matriarch figures, mm-hmm. and you know he never learned how to edit. He never learned how to block a shot. He never learned any craft of no, film. His films are very immediate, if you will. But I mean, they are powerful. Yes. They are very strange, and like watching his movies is like being in the head of a madman. Mm-hmm. So Severn recently released a box set of all of his films, I think, except a couple. I think were... Kill* is not on there. Yeah. Or what is it? Is it the monster? The Weirdo. The Weirdo and Monstrosity were both released on Blu-ray by another company, mm-hmm. Garage House, I think.
0: And uh, one of his films that was incomplete, House of Seven Bells, was uploaded
1: by... Nicholas Winding Refn yes. bought the uncompleted negative and mm-hmm. he released it on his website, basically just as a scan yes and so it's uncompleted most of it was shot but like there's no music or anything
0: Mm. and i think like the uh beginning and ends of reels still have like a little bit of black that played so what felix did and boy what a trooper he was to do this he did the research watching andy milligan's films and found all of the library music that Andy Milligan used in those films
1: yeah and the Andy Milligan movies are kind of amazing because like he would try to make movies when he was making horror movies he would try to make movies that look like hammer horror films mm-hmm. you know all, have all the 18th and 19th century regalia you know shot at castles and spooky stuff not actually shot at castles though shot at like people's apartments people's Staten Island homes but they're supposed to look like hammer horror movies and they're also cast with like whatever off 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 Broadway weirdos and and rough trade he had picked up so you know they're just like bizarre and strange assemblages of people and then the music is library music from like the 40s, you Mm. know, stuff that you would hear in a Bela Lugosi movie.
0: Yeah, he just went to whatever library there
1: was like, give me all your library music. All right, here we go. Let's just drop it randomly on the movie. It doesn't really matter. And so they're weird movies that feel kind of out of time. You know, they'll have a lot of these like 30s and 40s horror movie aesthetics, but with like weird New York 70s people in them.
0: So House of Seven Bells, it was tough to watch when there's no music because it's just kind of airless and Felix just put music throughout it, like very carefully picking only Andy Milligan tracks, and just putting it throughout the movie, so it feels like a finished movie, even though the ending is missing. And so now
1: it's hard to watch, but in a, in a, different, but in way. a different way.
0: But what a heroic work to finish the movie
1: yeah. in that way. Yeah, yeah. Shouts out to him. I mean, that's very impressive.
0: And you can find it on YouTube as well, because that's where he put it. I mean, no. Let's one let's owns put the
1: right. let's put the link. Yeah, it'll our... be below if you look in just the description. There'll be the link to check that out. And Nicholas Winding Refn, it. Please don't take it oh. down.
0: Uh, well, I, I really hope he doesn't. Come on <laughs> let it live free. I mean, we didn't even talk about that Nicholas Winning Reffin website, did we? by nWR. Yeah, is it still up? Like he it is still up tr- trying something like really ambitious of like finding these film prints,
1: scanning them, putting them out with essays
0: in a website that was unreadable <laughs> and just so
1: difficult to navigate. I think Nicholas Winning Reffin has done some genuinely historic or or heroic preservation mm-hmm. work, you know, on some of these movies. I know for a while on Mubi... The streaming service movie they would have, like, one of his movies every month, and you could watch, like, Chained Girls alongside, you know, whatever Henry Jaglaw movies they had on movie that month. I like that Nicholas Winning Refn was doing, like, the Tarantino thing, but, like, the
0: deepest of deep cuts that, like, no one has heard of. Movies that he basically had to pull out of the garbage. I mean, he's the one who found... The Astrologer, I believe. Right. Because
1: which, which, he thought it was something else, and he's like, Whoa, what the heck is this? Which cannot be legally released. No,
0: but uh, oh,
1: perhaps it is floating around online somewhere. Yeah, folks, you should watch that one too, The Astrologer.
0: But getting back to fan edits, have you ever wanted something completed in that way? Like, not necessarily like fine footage that do- like Magnificent Amazon. Ambers- it's not gonna be completed because it doesn't exist.
1: Well, I think Touch of Evil, the what they did in that mm-hmm. in the 90s, where Orson Wells wrote this huge long memo to the studio saying, here's what you should do if you want to make this a good movie. Put this scene here, put this scene here, take the music out here, put the music in here, etc. They ignored it. But then in the 90s, they actually went back and re-edited the film to his specifications. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of the preview version. Thing. You li- you like the preview version because it has the Henry Mancini music on the opening <laughs> yeah. shot, right? Sorry, that
0: was a recent podcast. They we were talking about that, weren't they? Probably Joe Dante's podcast. Oh, uh, was it? I don't know. I like the uh,
1: the revised revised edit. version. Yeah. I
0: think those kind of heroic works are always like my favorite where it could be done, but it just needs like a lot of, you know willpower and time.
1: I was watching a little bit of Albert Pune's director's cut of Captain America the other day, mm. which, you know, he like took some elements that he had and reedited them and rearranged them. And like, doesn't look bad. <laughs> it looks bad, frankly. Yeah. But it's kind of like if you squint really hard, you can kind of see what he was going for.
0: Well, there's a re-edit version of uh, Cyborg that like mixes his work print with new footage. Mm-hmm. And what I say about that is turn it black and white. It makes it way easier on the eyes when they switch between both of them. But even that job is like a little sloppy. There's like weird fades in between shots instead of just like straight cuts. And it's like, what are you doing? Those fades just take
1: me out of it. One that I hear people praise a lot is uh, this guy, Ryan and swen did a did a re-edit of black hat michael Mann's black hat to make it more like a more of a director's cut uh have you heard about that is it a re-edit of black hat or is it the version that michael Mann re-edited and played on fx i think it might be something else maybe i shouldn't talk about this because i'm not quite sure what it is (laughs) i'm talking about
0: no yeah so michael Mann, the top fan editor of them all in the sense that he will not stop editing his movies Mm. and so he re-edited black hat and it played on fx and that's it. it did. It's not been released anywhere else. And I believe he did do a fan edit because he re-edited like the best versions available to look like the version that played on FX. Mm. So that is technically a fan edit job and going that extra mile so that's awesome and i can't think of any other fan edits off the top of my head of like what i would want to see because the thing about fan edits most of the time is that like i want to see stuff that was compromised by an outside force returned to the form like uh nightbreed Mm. technically like the cabal cut was the original version but i don't want to see every deleted scene put in the movie they're not meant to live there like that's right you get the longest movie but that's not anything so fan edits When they're edited by, like, creatively to make them either, like, watchable, for example, this House of Seven Bells edit, or to return them to a form that they originally were supposed to be in, like Touch of Evil, those are the ones that interest me the most. I'll
1: tell you a fan edit that I would like to do, that I would like Mm -hmm. to see. So I just, when I was on the plane the other day, watched Singing in the Rain. Yes. There are two scenes that I would like to cut from that movie. Oh, no. One of them is when it's Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds just on that empty, empty set, Mm -hmm. and they're, like, singing a love song to each other. I think that's boring. Okay. And later the big Broadway melody number, you know, that dream sequence number where it's like, and we're going to add a, we're going to add a scene to the picture. It'll be up. It'll be about a young Broadway hoofer and his adventures. In Wait, the big why don't city. you like that scene? I mean, it's just, it's boring. The whole movie is this incredibly charming. It's, it's very spontaneous. It's got this, this infectious quality of fun. And then there's this gigantic, uh, musical dream sequence thrown into it. But that, isn't that every just... Gene Kelly movie though has that big musical? And I uh... and I don't love it. I don't <laughs> love it any time. Like, oh, like 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 oh, that's a controversial. You're like Steven Soder.
0: Oh man, how could I forget? Steven Soderbergh does his fan edits all the time. Have you seen those? I I've never seen them. I've just like heard he's of them. cut down 2001: A Space Odyssey to 90 minutes. Oh man, I don't know. Well, he did it for fun and like I'd <laughs> be interesting to see if I could yeah. do this
1: and put it out. I think he did like a weird re edit of Psycho as well. Interesting, interesting. Did he cut out the scene at the end with the guy with the chorus? He made or it whatever? only
0: that scene to for 10 minutes.
1: Will will be releasing his singing in the rain. I'll be the releasing my cut. better singing in the rain <laughs> that doesn't have that whole spruce goose musical number. Like, Okay. I just but watched. can
0: you enjoy musical numbers just for the sake of musical numbers? Well, I sure. don't remember this Shh. musical
1: number. You so. do- well, there you go. It's the biggest, most expensive musical number in the movie, mm-hmm. but I bet you remember Donald O'Connor with the of dummy. Course. You know, make, make unless- him laugh. just a stupid scene where he's just like fucking around with a dummy. Ten times more charming than this big fucking Broadway melody number. <laughs>